Hello, and welcome to episode three of Boo's Podcast. I'm Sam. And I'm Ollie. Thank you for tuning in for episode three. That is three. So thanks. And if you're just now joining us, as if this is the first time you're listening, just to give you a rundown, each week we bring you everything awful, creepy, weird, macabre, slightly uncomfortable. podcast so sam i have to ask you what are you drinking i'm lame and i'm just drinking an ang- angry orchard <laughs> Ooh, wild is it just plain angry orchard it's a crisp apple oh, crisp mm. apple. what are you drinking um i'm drinking yano wine but if you're from around these parts it's lano <laughs> lano red blend it's i mean it's inexpensive but it's local well i don't know about local it's texas i think we make it in lubbock i don't know shit about alcohol so not all 20-year-olds are connoisseurs of <laughs> fine craft brews. I mean, the kids nowadays are drinking White Claws. That's they live true. by the law. <laughs> the law of the claw. <laughs> don't deny the claw. I don't. <laughs> I, I mean, I do. It's pretty good. I'm not going to lie. I haven't Which makes it. me so angry that college kids are drinking White Claw. Because back in my day, like four years ago, <laughs> we had to, you know, get borderline alcohol poisoning from four locos (laughs) you know i had one of those not even a year ago and it was the most disgusting thing i've ever drank like if i ever smell it i just cringe like my body is like nope i saw a grown-ass woman today at the grocery store not to shame anyone but she was buying a four loco and i just Mm -mm. wanted to go up to her and say ma'am whatever you're going through I'm here with you. Let's just put this away. <laughs> yeah, no, that's just a can of regret. That's what that is. So, I'm low-key salty that you never corrected me when I called you Allie the first time we met. That was the first time we met. Like, the very first time. And then you... And then the first time we recorded, or before, when we did our dry run, I called you Allie again, and you didn't freaking correct me. Maybe it was during... Oh, was The dry run was... And we still talk about how cringy it was. <laughs> I think I blacked out. I don't I ha- even know what happened. Yeah, I think I have it saved, so... Did it happen? It did happen. I don't know. I don't remember you calling me out. <laughs> well, uh, maybe this is a good time to talk about how we actually met. That is true. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know if I want to encourage um, what meeting we did. people, meeting strangers online, but... Um, yeah, so I wanted to start a podcast, obviously, and I put out a post on Facebook in like a public San Antonio group and I was like hey uh my husband doesn't want to start a podcast with me so who's down and lo and behold Ollie first comment right away I did everything like short of posting my resume I was like I can do this it's me it's me because I'm the same way my I've been wanting to do a podcast and my husband who is in the entertainment business was like no too much work sorry (laughs) Yeah, it doesn't even, like, it first episode talked about, doesn't even believe in ghosts, so... Yeah, yeah. That'd be a big no. And my other friends just aren't spooky enough. hmm Yeah, so I think I had, like, 
40 comments or something ridiculous wow. on the damn post. So I had messaged you first. I didn't hear back from you. And I was like, I guess she doesn't want to do it. I was all butthurt. <laughs> you were lost in my um, inbox. little inbox where it says, like, approved messages, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. Because I thought that, too. I was like, okay. I didn't hear anything. <laughs> <laughs> this lying bitch. Like, <laughs> yeah, but I, I scheduled, like, not really interviews, but I met up with, like, 12 other people. Really? And, like, I didn't know that. People were, like, flaky or, like, they didn't show up or it just wasn't a good fit. And you were the first person I met with at a Starbucks, by the way. We met in a public place. We Always meet in a public place. Or tell somebody where you're going. Share yes. your location. Yes. Yeah. So I, we weren't totally naive with it, but we <laughs> met at a Starbucks with a big glass window so everyone inside could see us. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, within, like, 10 minutes of talking we were already getting down to business so that's how this little creation started it was meant to be yes but but yeah i always think man there was this was a like a gamble because mm-hmm. i could have killed you that i could have came over and you could have been like all right now let me see your feet you know something <laughs> weird your baby hands let me see your baby hands. yeah I, I saw your profile picture and those hands of yours <laughs> Yeah, and people are like that though. I know. Like, um, my friend just rented out her her one of her rooms in Austin, and her roommate is the, like the coolest, most adorable, like hippie guy. Um, very quiet, very kind, and he's like, it was really hard finding a place. He said, I had one place in particular where I mean, and this fits with our theme of creepy and weird, but. He said, I responded to a Craigslist ad, and everything seemed great. Oh, not Craigslist. Until, until I show up, and the guy's like, yeah, I have a foot thing, so I just need to look at your feet. What? That's what made me think of that and say that. <laughs> and he's like, oh, this isn't going to work out. So he Ew. finds another place, and it's, like, out on some land, and it's like, you can live here for free if, um, you know, you help me with like the goats or the mm-hmm. horses, whatever. Mm-hmm. He's like, all right, cool. I love animals. And for free in Austin, yeah. Yeah. He gets there, meets with a guy. Everything seems to be going great until the guy says, well, I'm kind of a nudist, so you're going <sighs> to have to deal with me walking around in the nude. Hey, man, that's great. I hope you find somebody you can, like, be a nudist with. This Yikes. is it for me. And then he found my friend. So yeah. he's like, thank God. That is yeah. crazy. Be careful out there. The online, the online, <laughs> the internet is a scary. <laughs> what place. are you, sixty? <laughs> the, on, the online interwebs. I'm so glad I never had to deal with any of that. Like, I'm so glad I tell Matt all the time. I'm like, I'm so glad I've known you since the fourth grade because if I had to date in this day and age, no, thank you. Like, oh my god, please send us your dating stories yes. just because I want to read. <laughs> I mean, we'll share one every now and then if it's like you're like, please, this is a nightmare, a literal nightmare. I want the world to know. Yes. Please send it to us. I, I actually like dating, though. Did you? Mm-hmm. I had a good time. Like, I don't know. It just depends. You have to be really selective. But I, I hear horror stories of how it goes wrong. And I'm like, I just got really lucky. Yeah. Like, yeah. Super lucky. I'd always joke with Gabriel. And I'd tell him, you could have been a serial killer. Like, <laughs> I just let you in my house. I mean, I didn't meet him online. But still... Like, you don't have to meet someone online for them they, to be for, a... Exactly, for yeah. them to be a serial killer. It's always the ones closest to you. Mm-hmm. Your friends, family members, neighbors. Sorry, I don't mean to creep you out. <laughs> <laughs> They're everywhere. Right. Speaking of neighbors, I have a really creepy next-door neighbor. The guys on this side, mm-hmm. they, like, 
I only see them out at like three o'clock in the morning or four o'clock in the morning and I just found out they have two daughters because they walked across my lawn I was sitting in my car and they glanced at me real quick and then just darted in the house they were standing on your lawn they were like walking across my lawn and they saw me sitting in my car because I was finishing a podcast episode (laughs) (laughs) and they saw me look at them and they just ran straight into the house and slammed the door and I was like that's not normal how old are they uh, one of the girls looked 13, and the other one looked like she was, like, 10 or something oh, like that. Oh, okay, so they're a little but, older. I mean, if you walk on my lawn, I'm gonna look at you. Yeah, of course. It's my house. <laughs> I mean, why are you walking on people's lawns, anyways? Exactly. I mean, I know it's, like, dead right now, but have some respect. <laughs> respect for those who have passed, like, my lawn. <laughs> R.I.P. Wait, my so, lawn. wait, wait, so before we move on, how did you, how do you know that they're out at 3 or 4 in the morning? Because you might be the creepy neighbor that's staring out of your window <laughs> at 3 and 4 in the morning. Um, so, okay, so sometimes I like to go get snacks at the Walmart while Matt is sleeping. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I was coming home and they were just creeping outside the front of their house. Real weird. And I'm whispering because I don't want Matt to hear me. <laughs> <laughs> well, Walmart is a very dangerous place. That's true. Apparently they found at a night. body near our walmart oh my god i couldn't find any articles to back it up but next door was talking about it so maybe i shouldn't go to our walmart at three or four in the morning Mm-mm. but you know i have cravings sometimes and i can't help it so and chick-fil-a's not open at 3 a.m oh, if only i know <laughs> i mean i'm kind of glad <laughs> we used to live directly across from chick-fil-a and we ate there all the damn time like it was a curse. You'd walk out of your house and it just, you smelled. You smelled? The, oh, oh, no. I couldn't. Yeah, I couldn't live it there. It was awful. Well, speaking of, well, we kind of got off topic with the food, but <laughs> online stories, online nightmares, things that happen in real life, it makes me think of what I'm going to talk about today. Ooh. So, I drive a lot, or I used to. <laughs> like, I drive a lot. Um, like, yeah. It's I mean, just you my drive life. an hour to get here, so. Yeah. Yes, but here in Texas, I feel like you have to drive far mm-hmm. to get wherever you're going. So it's kind of normal. But there's one thing I always, always do when I get in the car. Do you check your back seat? Yes. Yes. All right. Oh, wait, so. wait, wait, wait. Before you get on topic. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is still kind of on topic. But um, so I'm one of those people that when I go grocery shopping – I always put the cart back. Like, I give side eye to people who don't put their cart back. Mm-hmm. Okay? I do. So, <laughs> I, um, when I lived in San Diego, I was putting my cart back, and I was one of those people who never locked the car door when I went to go put my cart back. Mm. Lock your door. What happened? <laughs> so, I was walking back to my car, and, like, some, like, my hair or something caught the corner of my eye, and I looked, and there was, like, a guy crouching by the side of my car oh my god yeah so i locked it really quick because i was still in distance and i guess it startled him because he stood up really quick and like walked away so lock your car doors when you're putting your cart back and check your back seat oh yeah this is totally related (laughs) this is exactly what i'm talking about here oh that's so scary like i don't even know what i would do if i saw that like yeah like my heart dropped i was like oh no like i've had so many sketchy encounters with people that i'm just like I don't care if I scare you. I don't care if it seems rude. I'm locking my car door. Mm -hmm. So lock your car doors, please. Yes, please do. And we're going to dive into more reasons on why you should lock your car door. And if you live in a small town like I did, we never locked our car doors. Never. 
my my godmother my godmother my uh, stepmom will drive to the store to like the grocery store mm-hmm. and leave her keys inside the car no don't yeah. do that yeah like that's how small our town is but you, even then you never know there's so, so many small town murders and exactly no people just wonders yeah Ugh. anyways all right so if you don't know what we're talking about already this is an urban legend. There's an urban legend um, that is called High Beams in the st- in the book Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. I, love I know that story. That's where I first heard it, um, and I was gonna read it, but I was like, no, I don't want to ruin. I just I'm not gonna ruin the writing. I'm just yeah, yeah. <laughs> with my story, with my reading voice, um, but I'll just tell you the story. So the first time I heard of it was yeah in that book, and the story goes there was this high schooler who was leaving her her high school it was like a game or something enough something of another um leaving late at night from school so she's driving and there's this car behind her that's following her and she thinks no big deal you know we're going the same place or we're going the same direction well she takes several turns one turn after another and the car's still behind her she's like okay a little weird but you know Mm -hmm. nothing Nothing to freak out over until she turns on her road, which is a pretty isolated road. And that's when she starts to freak out. And then right as she starts to worry and have a bit of panic, the man or the person uh, turns on their high beams. Um, so she's like, what is happening? Like, why is he trying to scare me? Uh, like, what's going on? So she drives and once again, he turns it on, like flashes her. And then keeps it on for like three minutes and she's like okay i just need to get home she's speeding he's speeding she he's right behind her she gets home and finally she gets out of her car runs to her house or runs inside her house and tells her parents like call the cops call the cops there's somebody behind me he's following me he's following me as soon as they walk outside there's a man that walks steps out of the truck holding a gun and the cops arrive they start handcuffing the man and the man says, it's not me you want, it's the guy inside your car. There is a man inside, and then that's when he explains, there was a man in, that got inside your car, and I saw it, and instead of calling the cops, I followed you, because I didn't want to leave you alone. But every time he got up, he was holding a knife, and that's when I flashed my high beams. So, that story always scared the hell out of me. <laughs> yeah, that story's creepy. Because it could happen, it's not like um, a a ghost where it's like what if it's you know an actual human being is inside my car um so it's kind of the excuse that i use on why i never clean my car <laughs> like i always have junk in there and gabriel's like clean your car i'm like no like nobody could fit back there now <laughs> like i'm really just trying to save myself um but anyways i was thinking okay that story had to come from somewhere like or was it just made up or something yeah word of mouth so i kind of dug in to see where the origin where the story originated from so the urban legend originated in 1968 folklorist carlos drake collected texts by indiana university students so i really i was trying to find like the direct article or what it was but i I couldn't um or maybe i just wasn't using google scholar correctly but he was just collecting um stories and notes from students at that university and one sample of the text came from a young woman who said the story was about a high school girl high school girl in the suburbs much like the one 
um, in the book and the ones that you hear online or read about online or hear about from other people. Um, and then there have been other texts collected in other parts of the United States that suggest similar stories around the same year. Mm-hmm. But there really aren't any news articles about cases. Like, so in like 1968, it was maybe it happened to somebody, it wasn't documented, but it kind of circulated throughout um, just by word of mouth. Gotcha. There's no, like, actual proof that something like this happened. It's just kind yeah. of going down the drain pipe. Well, something – and then we'll get to actual cases later on. Okay. But um, I'm just going, like, chronologically into the proof that's out there right now. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. So there's another story that's similar, but where was it? Yeah, another version of the story in 1968 has similarities to the high school girl, but – it's just slightly different. So the end of that text that was submitted was that uh, this one lady got her husband and said that this truck had followed her all the way home. So we came outside to see what it was all about. He went up to the man in the truck and said, what are you doing following my wife home? And he said, I just wanted to tell your wife that there is a man in the backseat of her car. The husband was really, quote, shook up. So they went to the backseat of the car and opened it. Sure enough, there was a man back there. The truck driver saw this man because when he turned on his lights, he would see this man come up the back seat, starting to reach forward, and then duck down again. But they did call the police and took him to jail. So it's kind of similar, except it's like a wife, it's an older woman, but mm-hmm. it all takes place, you know, at night, and they think they're being followed, or they are being followed, but for a different reason. Um, and I even looked it up on Snopes to see if there were any, if there was any proof of this story happening back in the 1960s. And um, they think, Snopes.com thinks, <laughs> that it may have been inspired by a vaguely similar case which took place in 1964 in which an escaped murderer hid in the backseat of a car only to end up shot by the owner, by the car's owner, um, a police detective. So I'm that like, was what the is wrong that? car to get exactly. into. Yeah, I'm like, where was that at? They, that's all like the snippet that they had. Um, so maybe, like, that happened, and then they're like, oh, well, that guy was... Let's make it scarier, make it a defenseless teenage girl. Yes, let's make it a female who is vulnerable, because this man obviously was not. Like, he was a police detective with a gun. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you're a young woman, most young teenage women don't have We're feeble and defenseless. Yeah, and don't have guns. (laughs) (laughs) And then, so in 1982... Um, almost two decades later, in an Ann Landers column, um, a similar story popped up. So if you don't know what Ann, or who Ann Landers is, Ann Landers was a pen name created for a very popular column called Ask Ann Landers. So kind of like Ask, what is it, Ask Ann or Ask, Ask Jeeves? No. Um, <laughs> ask Jeeves. This is ba- back in the day of newspapers but anyways yeah the column was really successful and it started in 1943 and ran for 56 years Hmm. that would be an easy job that'd be such a cool job like people just write into you and you just give them some bullshit advice respond or post their message is pre like archaeological uh, twitter (laughs) (laughs) and lander's message that came from a reader said Dear Anne, I tell this story to everyone I meet, but I hope that by telling you, others will get the message. A lady friend of mine got into her car to do some errands. She was in a hurry but had to stop for gas. 
the attendant asked her to step inside his office because something was wrong with her credit, her credit card. Reluctantly, she got out and followed him. Once inside, he asked her if she was aware that a man was crouched down in the back seat of her car. My friend nearly fainted. Moral, check your back seat before you get into the car. These days, it's easy for an inexperienced rapist or mugger to open a locked car and hide in the back seat. Spread the word. Spread the word, Anne. I live in California, capital letters. I don't know why that's capitalized. <laughs> like, this is urgent because I live in California and things like this definitely happen in California. Oh, yeah. So she responds, dear California, consider it spread and thanks for the tip. <laughs> so insightful. Um, and then a decade later in the 1998 story, not story, um, film Urban Legends, have you seen that? That's a is that the documentary type? I vaguely remember this movie, but I remember watching bits and parts. I like because super oh I cannot talk. Totally unsupervised child watched this movie, <laughs> and I just remember bits and pieces of it. And one part in particular where they were eating Mentos, like he drank like a soda and ate Mentos, and like his whole body, like he was. Foaming at the mouth and like convulsing yeah. on stage or something. Yeah, it was about college. Oh, well, here I have a description. <laughs> so I just like, kept going. Uh, the movie is about a group of college students who discover that urban legends are occurring um, on around their campus. So in the movie, much like what we just heard on um, Anne's column, um, a gas attendant noticed an attacker hiding in the back of a woman's vehicle. When he tries to get her inside the store, she fears the attendant is trying to attack her and drives off. This part I kind of remember. I remember the man was just looking rough. Like he looked like somebody to stay away from. Yeah. Like the gas attendant. Uh, and she was, didn't want anything to do with him. Uh, trying to attack her and drives off, not knowing a killer is in the vehicle. That's why you don't yeah. stereotype. Exactly. Like, <laughs> hear them out just for a little bit. Check your gut. Well, I would say check your gut, but she obviously felt like she was in danger. So, in the movie, she ends up dying, though. So, that's, like, the only difference from the movie and the urban legend is she actually dies. Like, the killer kills her. Yeah. Anyways. And then, the one article that I was able to find that was related um, happened in, or took place on September 14th, 2007. The Decatur Daily published an article called Real Life Urban Legend. Woman says assailant hid in her SUV. So I really, I mean, y'all can dog on my delivery and my writing and everything. So <laughs> I tried really hard not to comment on this article because it was really hard to read. Like, I wasn't sure what was going on. So mm -hmm. what I did draw from it was that the real-life story happened to a 23-year-old college student li living in Somerville, Tennessee. So if we have any Tennessee listeners that know what I'm talking about, please let us know what reading that was like. Give us some inside scoop, pretty please. Yeah, did you check your car a little more than normal? Or did you start? Anyways, the woman drove to the grocery store to her community college. The girl left the school, and as she did, she was on the phone with her brother at the time. So... Yeah, went to the grocery store, went to school, went to class, got in her car, and she was on the phone, not really paying much attention. Then all her brother heard was a scream oh, no. as she noticed that she was not alone in her vehicle. A man with pale complexion and a red shoulder-length hair demanded that she take him somewhere. As she told him no, 
he said, well, I have, well, he said, like, I have a gun. And she slammed on the brakes and left the car. Um, based on the article I found, the man walked away and wasn't caught. Ew. Yeah, because at the end, like, that's all it really said. Then at the end it said, if you were at the grocery store around this time. And you've seen time, Karen Top. <laughs> and you've seen this man, please let us know. I'm like, what? Like, no update? Yikes. What? And you would think with long red hair to be easily spotted, but. Yeah, you would think so. I'm going to see if it's the article's up. I want to see exactly what. Did it say what time of the year this happened in? That's, uh, I would assume because if it's summer could you imagine a sweaty ass red-headed dude with a gun oh that's what it said so oh sorry sorry uh (laughs) to cut you off i got excited um (laughs) but the chief said the victim described her would-be attacker as having bad odor he was dressed (laughs) in a white or gray t-shirt with holes in it and blue jeans he has red neck length hair he is between five feet six inches and five feet eight inches tall and weighs about 170 pounds. And it says anyone who saw something suspicious at Somerville Grocery on Wednesday or may have seen the man fitting the victim's description can call Somerville Police at 778-8282. That is terrifying. So if you remember back, what, 12 years ago, if you were there, please let them know. <laughs> you may have not have realized what was going on. Oh, no, I said September, didn't I? Oh, I don't. Yeah, September 14th. Ugh. I mean, it's still kind of warm in September. Yeah. Ugh, could you oh, imagine? Tennessee? I don't know. I haven't been to Tennessee yet. I don't know what the weather is like. I, I, I assume it's a little muggy and humid, right? Just imagining how, like, hiding in that car for goodness knows how long. and Exactly. If That would not happen here. Like, that could physically could not happen here. You would here. die within, like, five mm-hmm. minutes. You would walk into a body in your car. I don't know. Well, what's more terrifying? I'd rather walk into that because, I mean. They can't hurt you. They can't hurt you. Sorry, I'm like, Tennessee weather now? 78 degrees. That still gets hot. The high is 90 and the low is 65. Yeah, no, that's. That's like our winter. No wonder he stunk. (laughs) Yeah, so with all of these different stories that kind of have the same bottom line, you can definitely deem it like an urban urban legend, urban myth. Usually these myths and legends have something in common, which is like a moral to the story. Uh, have you, do you, do you, can you take a guess on what you think that moral is for this story? Checking your back seat. Yeah. Check your back seat. <laughs> Looking for odors <laughs> in your car. Smelling your car, being familiar. Just comparing, like, all the different stories, most stories begin with someone who is vulnerable and who fears, who fears someone or some, or who, yeah, who fears someone and that person should be the last thing that they're fearful of, Mm -hmm. you know? So, like you said before, it was not judging, you know, not judging, not stereotyping, exactly. So, a lot of these stories that I have read that are similar, and I could have gone through, like, the different variations of the story but we'd be here forever because there are so many but they all begin with somebody questionable they see you know a man in a truck it's always a man in a truck like that's terrifying and they think okay that person is who i should fear poor truckers i know yeah (laughs) like a trucker or you know just somebody scruffy and a farmer yeah farmer bob (laughs) (laughs) farmer bob that's just trying to help out yeah and you know you fear this person when In reality, they're trying to save you and protect you from the actual danger. Um, So I guess the moral of the story is not to judge 
not well it's really hard though too like not to feel that way in the middle of the night yeah you know yeah because yeah, i think the urban legend movie from what i can remember kind of painted it clearly because she had nothing to do with that man like she was being total judgy totally judgy and he was just trying to help her out and ended up ended up costing her life yeah um so i think that's what's fun about urban legends is finding that common theme and that basically that message that hidden message yeah can you think of any urban legends um actually (laughs) before i did my story i was gonna do la llorona of san antonio of san antonio of san antonio maybe that would be a bigger episode Actually, there's not... For, like, the different regions. That Yeah, if we split it into regions, but I'm glad I didn't go with it since you went with an urban legend and such. Um, we like to mix it up. We yeah. like to keep you on your toes. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, I guess the creek that she kind of haunts is, like, 15, 20 minutes away from here. Not to triangulate next place, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and there's so many different interpretations of her. Like, I would love to, like, dive into an episode of her, but... Like, from Mexico to Arizona to California to San Antonio and mm-hmm. different parts of Texas. Like, there's all these different stories of her. Yeah. I don't really know what the message of her, like, I don't know what she would try to teach, except don't go wandering out around at night, poking Pretty around. Much. But yeah, I feel like most of those, especially in Hispanic culture, like, el cucuy, <laughs> yes. la llorona, anything that's seeking people out at night is, you know, telling your children, don't go out at night. Keep your feet in the covers and don't you dare go get water. Exactly. Like, get like, out. Listen yeah. to your parents or El Cucuy is going to come get you. Like, yeah. things like that. It's based on fear. Mm-hmm. Like, as Hispanic kids, are everything is based on fear. <laughs> Hispanic parents are ruthless. <laughs> oh, yeah. I remember working at, I was working, I think, at an American Eagle or something for a very short time period. And I heard a Hispanic mom tell her kid in Spanish, like, look, look. Look at that police officer over there. He's, He's going to get, get you. you. Yes. yes. <laughs> Based off of fear. Or like that man, that man's going to get you or I'm going to leave you here and they're going to take you away. I'm like, and oh And it's my just God. a random ass stranger buying like just a auntie aunt's pretzel or something. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I used like, to hide in the little clothing racks and my mom would be like, you're going to get trapped in there and someone's going to snatch you and I won't even care. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, maybe not. But yeah, that's my... That story gave me chills. Like, this is so far the, like, first story that I've been, like, creeped out about just because of my experience and, like, just thinking that this can happen to Mm -hmm. anybody. So, lock your doors, please. There are crazies out there for sure. And if any other story pops up, I'll be sure to to share it with y'all. Any other um, articles I stumble upon. I, I mean, I hope there's no more, but... There are. <laughs> if it I look happens. forward to hearing about oh, them. One thing I was going to say is, so this story originated like in the 60s, like by word of mouth it seemed like, um, and then there's proof of it happening later. I wonder if things sometimes happen as urban legends or as myths or like just hearsay or stories, and then people take that and make it real. Do you ever wonder that? Like they take inspiration from it? Yeah. Or- they're like, oh, I could do that. Yeah, there was, oh my goodness, what was I watching? I think I was watching a documentary about a shooter, and they got inspiration from a book or something like that, and that, that sounds was, familiar. So it, it definitely happens, you know, but I would just, I can't even imagine, like you, 
go in to drive home at night and you turn around for some reason and there's just a man there or like a woman or god knows what you know like I, <laughs> I have thought about that scenario like on more than one occasions driving like late at night I have and... two and I've slammed on my brakes just to make sure if someone's in there they're gonna go flying through my <laughs> <laughs> no it's always when I have the music like on blast and I'm like going ham to like Lizzo or something <laughs> like just singing my heart out and I'm like wait if somebody like I would be really hard to kill like I wouldn't have the heart to kill somebody that's having a good time right car karaoke just living their best life and then here I am with like a knife in the back seat like just I'd, waiting for the right it'd be moment. awkward they're like okay let me wait until they play a sad song <laughs> like do they wait and like do they think about the music do they set the tone like all these things yeah. yikes we don't I don't want to know actually now like forever I'm just going to be like constantly checking my freaking back seat in the middle of driving after I've checked it like three times. You're welcome. <laughs> All right, what do you have for us today? I'm so excited. All right, so originally we were going to do two murders and we decided not to and we changed real quick. I like to shake it up. Yes. So I decided why not do something from San Antonio. Ooh, yay. So my sources are from ghostcitytours.com texashillcounty.com and legendsofamerica.com and we'll link all our resources and stuff on our website which is boozepodcast.com so be sure to check it out if you want to like get in depth and see all our resources and such so i'm not going to exactly tell you what this place is i want you to kind of guess because it had a different name before it had the name that you know Okay, I'm going to try not to Google or touch my laptop, <laughs> I mean, but I am going to ask you for more wine. I will fill Set you up. Tone. How much do you want? Um, oh my gosh, why is it not going as fast? Okay, that's good. Perfect. It, feels, <laughs> it felt like she was pouring up to the top, but I promise she did not. It's not even like a quarter of the way. <laughs> okay, let me get comfy in my seat to listen. All right. So this place was originally known as Mission of San Antonio de Valero, and it's located in present-day downtown San Antonio. Um, Father Antonio de San Bueno Aventura y Olivares chose this location because it was surrounded by cottonwood trees. And it, the location was picked for it to be built in 1724, but it wasn't built until 1744. And it is one of five missions built along the San Antonio River. So mm -hmm. it was built to spread Roman Catholicism to local Native Americans. And around 1793, for a brief period of time, it was San Antonio's first hospital. But it soon became a fort and was renamed. Do you have any guesses? Is it something I should remember all the time? Yes. The Alamo. Yes. We are doing the ghosts of the Alamo. Um, now, Alamo actually means cottonwood trees in Spanish. And at this point in 1803, 100 soldiers moved in. And everything was chill for about 32 years. It's a long time for it to be chill. Yeah. Um, all the soldiers kind of defended that area and kind of made sure that there was nothing crazy going on and such. And then what kind of soldiers were these? Who did these soldiers belong to? These were just tex Texas, like, volunteer soldiers and such. Um, they weren't... So was it after the battle, like... Oh, this is before the battle. Oh, so the, it was technically Mexico still, right? They were starting to kind of separate, so they had a Texan kind of... Like, okay, so they were already they were volunteers. Yeah, they were volunteers and such. So everything was good and quiet for 32 years. 
Then by October 2nd, 1835, the Texas Revolution started. Mm, Okay. So on December 5th, Mexican troops stormed in to attack the Alamo, and it was a three-day battle. It was really bloody, and it was awful. Um, And Texans won by forcing the Mexican authorities to surrender. And the Mexican general Caz moved troops to Rio Grande, and the Seas of Bear came to an end. And then on January 1836, Colonel James Bowie came strolling in with 25 volunteer soldiers and with orders from General Sam Houston to blow up the Alamo. Now, Bowie thought this was a terrible idea because they were still trying to get their independence and such. Um, If they blew up the Alamo, there was no line of defense for General Santa Ana's army. Now, Colonel William Travis soon joined with a little over 100 men after Bowie decided that, you know, they were going to stay put and they weren't going to destroy the Alamo. So, at this point, there was 140 soldiers at the Alamo, but Santa Ana's army had over 1,000 soldiers, and Santa Ana was closing in. On February 19th, four days before Santa Ana's arrival, 20-something volunteers arrived, and they were led by none other than Davy Crockett. He rep- <laughs> so Davy Crockett was kind of a character. He reportedly killed about 108 bears in eight months. He supposedly rode an alligator to work. No, what? supposedly. I don't remember that in a Texas history. Right. So if you live in Texas, you take Texas history in eighth grade. Matt's actually taking that right now for college because nice. he wasn't here in the eighth grade, and he's like, "What the hell is this?" <laughs> So, with all of Davy Crockett's 20-something soldiers, plus um, Colonel Travis and all that, it was now 189 soldiers versus, at this point, 1,500 soldiers from Santa Ana. Colonel William Travis wrote that their efforts at the Alamo would either earn them victory or they would die trying. Spoiler alert, they died. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, General Santa Ana captured the city of San Antonio And at San Fernando Church, he waved a red flag. Do you know what waving a red flag means? No, isn't a white flag? White flag is surrender. So red flag means, like, everyone's dead? So the red flag indicates that he would leave no survivors if the revolutionaries did not surrender. Okay. Um, Okay, so Santa Ana waved the red flag saying, like, Surrender or I'm going to kill you. Yes. Here I come. So the Texans allegedly responded with a single cannon blast, and the battle began. That is such a Texas thing to do. Oh, I know. Yeah. I mean, this is why we're taught Texas history, probably. So we're like, yeah, Texas. There is so much Texas pride. Like, when we first moved in here from California, there is Texas flags everywhere. Everywhere. I mean, I'd be lying if I said I didn't own a pair of shorts that were the Texas flag. (laughs) I'm not surprised. (laughs) I mean, I, yeah, Texas AF. <laughs> like, it doesn't come out until I'm somewhere else. Like, when I was in Ireland, I'm like, I was, like, drunk, and it was 3 o'clock in the morning. I'm like, take me to Waterburger, and, and, like, the accent came out of nowhere. And they're like, what's Waterburger? I'm like, it's the best place in the world, just like Texas. So they're like, we're not in Texas. <laughs> So, yeah, the pride is real strong here. Yeah, and everyone has those cute little, like, Texas star decor everywhere. I'm like, I want a little star from my house now. So what happens at the battle is actually pretty much unknown. 
because there were no survivors, and the only survivor was Joe Colonel William Travis's slave. And he was released by General Santa Anna because he had no choice whether he stood or did not stand with the rebels, so he actually let him go. General Santa Anna actually refused to have proper burials for anybody, so bodies were mounted onto three piers and lit into flames. Others were burned in mass graves or simply thrown carelessly into the San Antonio River. According to different stories, bodies were later gathered together and placed inside an unmarked grave, but there is little knowledge as to where it might be. Now, three weeks later, General Sam Houston did defeat Santa Ana at the, the Battle of San Jacinto. Santa Ana eventually admitted his defeat and Texas gained his independence. Now, the site on which the Alamo and the plaza sit was actually a cemetery before any of this. So, in front of the Alamo, that was a cemetery? All that whole area was a cemetery before. Have you, have you been yet? I've been, I've okay. been a bunch of times. Yeah. Awesome. Um, it is said that often construction workers um, doing work in the Alamo Plaza will pull up skulls and bones, even now. So, because it's laid on a big old burial site, and a lot of people died horrifically, there's going to be ghosts. Oh, yeah. Yes. So think about that next time you visit good old San Antonio drinking your margaritas <laughs> on the river walk. <laughs> Remember, a lot of people died there. You're on a grave. <laughs> yes. So with that, let's get into some ghosties. Yeah. Okay. Um, a few days after the battle at the Alamo, General Santa Anna mandated that the historic church be burned down to the ground. Now, Field Commander General Andrade sent some of his men and they arrived, however, they were quick to turn back and return to the Mexican army camp, and when Andrade demanded to know why they had not completed the task of burning down the Alamo, they were shaken and white-faced, and one of his men stepped back to explain. He told Andrade of six Diablos who stood before the Alamo. Itch, itch. <laughs> Each spirit had held a flaming sword and circled the group of soldiers as they blocked the entrance to the mission. They feared destroying the church and what might happen to them if they did. And because of this rumor spread, it was the men who died during the battle, and others claimed that it must be um, old monks guarding their mission. But General Andrade laughed and set off to burn the place himself with some other men. When he arrived, he directed his troops to the longhouse barracks, but he spotted a tall male spirit rise up on the roof of the barracks. Clasped in each hand was a ball consumed in fire, the specter held out the flaming weapons, and the Mexican soldiers dropped to their knees, and they tried to kind of cover their eyes. Like, I read a report where they were digging the palm of their hands into their eyes to block out the view. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And they marched out just as quickly as they marched in, and they <laughs> never returned. In 1871, the decision came to demolish part of the old church, leaving only the old barracks and the church. When newspapers voiced the deconstruction of the Alamo, Sightings of ghosts wandering the grounds began to be reported, almost all of them coming from guests staying at the Menger Hotel just across the plaza. And the Menger Hotel is actually supposed to be super haunted, mm -hmm. too. Yeah, it's like on, it's always on, uh, like, top, top five, top ten most haunted places. Yeah, and they have, like, a bar in there, so I always wanted to stop in. I haven't stopped in yet. So. I'd like to stay one night. Right? Yeah. I wonder what their rates are. Check it out. Um, I hear it's not anything too fancy, but 
I mean, it's historical. Just the experience of it, I think, would be cool. And yeah. you're right in the middle of everything, so mm-hmm. get super drunk and just chill out. Um, reports described ghostly guards marching on the roof of a nearby police station, dark figures roaming the corridors at night, and distant sounds of moaning that would wake staff and prisoners. And the activity was so constant that guards started to refuse to be on patrol for the night shift, and the police were getting really upset because no one wanted the night shifts. Another report of a ghost sighting is on the outer walls of the Alamo, and it is believed to be a Mexican soldier, and he's been seen by tourists and locals alike. His hands are always clasped behind his back, his chin is tilted down, and he shakes his head somberly. Excuse my pronunciation, I'm going to try my best here, but um, this ghostly soldier is believed to be General Manuel Fernandez de Castrillon, one of Santa Ana's commanders. He refused to lay siege at to the Alamo, and after the last fight on the eve of the battle came to an end, six men were brought to Manuel to surrender. Manuel offered the men his protection, but Santa Ana refused this act of truce and ordered the Texans' executions. Infuriated with Manuel's refusal to follow orders, Santa Ana murdered the men himself. He hacked them to death with a sharp-bladed saber and almost killed Manuel as an act for kind of like going against his orders. Mm-hmm. And such the most commonly spotted ghost is a little blonde boy um, he is seen in the upstairs left window which is now part of the alamo gift shop and it is believed that the little boy was evacuated during the siege of the alamo um, he's thought to survived but it is perhaps that his parents did not that his spirit returns over and over again to the site where he last saw them and he is most active in february um, another report is of a man and a child up on the rooftops of the Alamo, and they're seen just after sunrise. A man wraps his arm around a child, and they leap off to the ground below. And people believe this is residual energy during the last moments of the Battle of the Alamo. Um, reports say General Andrade and other Mexican soldiers glanced up and were horrified to see a tall, thin man with a small child in his arms leap to the ground from a wall at the rear of the Alamo church. Um, and I actually have a first person encounter, and this is from James L. Chirona, a contributor at texasescapes.com, and he recounted his family's encounter with a spirit of a young boy as well. <coughs> I was just looking at that also. Oh, were you? Yeah. <laughs> I was curious. In the summer of 1990, I took my children to see the Alamo. The kids enjoyed the tour, especially my son and his older sister, who seemed to be totally spellbound by everything around her. As we were leaving the Alamo, Megan looked behind her and waved, then softly and very somberly said, Goodbye, Jaime, which is something that she had no way of knowing at the time. I looked around to see who she was waving to, thinking that she had met some new little friend on the tour, and to my surprise, no one was in sight. When I asked her who she was talking to, she said, Jaime, there he is, right there. And she pointed to a spot directly in front of the Alamo doors. No one was there. I told her I didn't see anything and that he must have gone back inside. And she said, no, there he is. And she pointed. I didn't see anyone. She then described to me a Mexican boy, about 15 or 16 years old, wearing cotton pants, a white cotton shirt, sandals, and a tall black hat. She said that he had stood beside her the whole time we were in the Alamo and told her about the battle. He said that he was there. He said that he'd been here an awfully long time and can't go home. He was sad, but he was glad that he found me to talk to. That's eerie. Did I don't think it said how old the children were. No, I'm assuming they've got to be young, though. Yeah, because it said at the beginning 
uh, my son Eric and his older sister. But I'm like, how old is, are these kids? Because, you know, they say kids can see things yeah. um, and whatnot. So when I read older sister, I'm like, oh, maybe. Oh, no. <laughs> the worst. Those are the worst calls. Um, but, yeah, no, they yeah. didn't say how old they were, which I wish they would because kids are supposed to be more sensitive to all that. So. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's really sad. I know. Him saying he can't go home. And he's just stuck there. Like, that's awful. Since 1836, the number of ghosts and paranormal activity at the old mission has increased, and a ghostly guard is still spotted on the south side of the roof, especially on nights when it's rainy and cloudy. Visitors of the Alamo have expressed feelings of being very melancholy. Melancholy? (laughs) (laughs) Of being very melancholy when wandering through the main chapel area. And some have even felt so depressed that tears leap to their eyes and they are powerless to control their erratic emotions. Others have reported hearing disembodied voices, whispers, and phantom footsteps. Um, But the Alamo is open to the public and it is often one of the major spots on nighttime ghost tours. If you are hoping to catch a ghost at the Alamo, the best times to visit are in February and March, which was around the times of the battles. Interesting. Mm Mm-hmm. So that's when most of the paranormal paranormal activity ha- happens. Yeah, I think just because it's that time of the year, and I guess all that residual energy just mm-hmm. spikes back up. But I mean, I've been there plenty of times, and I've I want to say I'm kind of sensitive to feelings, and I've never really felt anything when I go in. It's more of because when you walk into the Alamo, they don't let you touch anything. Um, it's like a big empty mm-hmm. building inside. And, like, you can see all the bullet holes everywhere. And yeah, that I do remember. Because, I mean, of course, we would go on field trips when we were younger all the time. So that was the last time I went. And that was the thing that stuck out to me the most was, like, the bullet holes. It was like, wow. Yeah. That makes it real. Yeah, yeah. And the fact that I don't think they completely finished building it because there is a wall that's almost, like, crumbled down. Like, it's almost, like, half finished. I believe mm-hmm. someone on the tour is saying that they didn't completely finish building it. But, like... Maybe because I haven't been during, you know, the times where the battles happen. But every time I've gone, normally I seem to get, like, flooded with emotion and not not there. Mm. So I'm not too sure if I'm just – I don't I don't know why. But, like, I, if I walk into um, – there's that church here that has, like, a um, like a memorial to Davy Crockett. Do you know the one I'm talking Is about? Is it downtown? It's in downtown. It's maybe a couple blocks away from the Alamo. Is it the one that lights up at night? Yes, I think so. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it's called, but I've always wanted to go watch the lights. Yeah, yeah. Um, we went during Christmas, and, like, I walked in, and I just got hit with, like, a wall, like, just passing his little, like, memorial thing. It was weird, because I didn't even know he was there. It was just, like, mm-hmm. I hit a wall, and I turned around, and I see it almost looked like a, a casket with, like, his... But that, that's not where he's buried, is it? I don't think so let me look oh it says a coffin in san fernando cathedral purports yeah that that it keeps reiterating that just that it was the ashes of the defenders but it doesn't flat out say that it's dv yeah probably so so like as soon as i walked in it was like i got hit by a truck like it was weird and i didn't even know it was there and i turned around and i saw it but i didn't get that feeling when i was in the alamo so i don't know Hmm. i might not be in tune anymore (laughs) losing your feels maybe no i'm yeah no not here not me i guess the only time i felt overwhelmed with emotion was at ground zero Mm, i still haven't been there that is very eerie and i remember being there and just reflecting and reading all the names and i guess we're doing construction it's new york i mean it's noisy 
but they were doing construction across the street. They're building a building, like constructing a building, and they dropped metal or something, and there was just loud pop, mm-hmm. and it just spooked like me and my mom were like ugh, that just sounds awful because yeah. it just sounded like crashing over ugh. and over again after that and we're like yeah for both of us we're like all right we're good we gotta leave like, yeah 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 that is my story for episode three that's great <laughs> i love it i feel like it's only appropriate oh no <laughs> we have to insert it it's either this or i sing it sing it go no i'm kidding <laughs> <laughs> only in the shower every morning when i wake up i cannot with you right now <laughs> it's only one minute long i'm moving back to california so <laughs> <laughs> my mom feels she ref- refuses to say y'all <laughs> i mean i said y'all even into uh, california I don't like that version oh, i gotta find a better one you're picky it's the same one <laughs> anyways insert texas national anthem here Texas are Texas. <laughs> if I had a Lone Star, I'd shotgun it, but I don't. <laughs> uh, hey, Lano, wine. See, I got my Texas wine. If you get that on my rug, I'll kick <laughs> your butt. <laughs> I was not going to do that. No, I'm classier than that. And the only time it's appropriate to chug wine is on the river. You got to slap the bag. Have you done that? What is that? Oh my god, have you gone floating yet? No, not yet. Are I went you... to Schlitterbahn and I did the that really long lazy river thing. Uh, well, it's kind of like that where you get in the tube and then you float down the river. I mean, I've done that in California, yeah. but not here. But you bring like a ton of booze. No, I wasn't. Yeah. I wasn't drinking age yet. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I mean, that's <laughs> that's what you do on the river, and it's like three hours long. Oh man. Yeah, but you get it goes real by. Drunk. It goes by so fast, um, and they're like little islands on the way. Uh-huh. We call it Shotgun Island. We're like, stop at Shotgun Island. And it's not a specific island. It's just every little ledge we find. Yeah. We pull over. There's a big rock. Stop. And then you, somebody always buys a box wine. And uh-huh. then you pull out the box wine and you slap it. What? And then you chug it. You guys are weird. <laughs> it's so much. I mean, I know. Whenever you're describing it, it's like, what the hell do I do? Like, what do I do with my spare time? You know what that reminds me of? Um, in Mexico, when you buy, like, soda or something, they put it in a bag with a straw sticking out of it. Really? Yeah. I haven't had that. But you, you don't slap it and chug it. No, you don't slap it and chug <laughs> it, but they put drinks in a bag. And you just walk around with, like, a plastic bag full of soda or something. Like the lunch? Like a milk, like a, milk. like, yeah, like a lunch milk, but it's soda or apple juice or orange juice or... Mexico's weird. Interesting. <laughs> I have not seen I'll keep an eye out next time. Um, <laughs> yeah, but on the river, I always say, like, I lose everything. I lose my shoes. I lose my glasses. I lose my dignity. Like, everything <laughs> is just left on the river. So if you're traveling to Texas, to the Austin area, go floating in San Marcos. It's really fun. Um, Texas State Tubes and Don's Fish Camp. Like, you drive, and then you get on a bus, and they drive you up the river. Oh. And then you get on your tube, and then you float all the way down to your car. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's pretty fun. Unless you want to bail out halfway through, then you're kind of fucked. Oh, yeah, no, there's no bailing. <laughs> you, there's no way. You cannot. You have to be dedicated, and you have to be committed. That seems like fun. I'm going to have to do that before summer ends. Mm-hmm. Get nice and toasty. I think we're doing that this weekend, actually. Really? Yeah, because <laughs> our friend's in town, so. All right, well, that's it for episode three thank you for tuning in i hope the quality is getting better yes and if you have 
any any suggestions, any comments, please do not hesitate to email us. Email us at boozepodcast at gmail.com. That is B-O-O-Z podcast at gmail.com. Or shoot us a DM. You can find us on Instagram as well at boozepodcast and Twitter. Basically, all the socials. We are at yes. Booze Podcast. Our website is boozepodcast.com. And we'll post some pictures. I think this one, usually our stories are pretty picture heavy, but I mean, for this week's episode, we can slap on some um, some Alamo, Alamo pictures. <laughs> Jinx. <laughs> <laughs> uh, some man in the backseat or something. My back, the backseat of my car. I can <laughs> Maybe show we'll have you. Gabriel pose in the backseat. <laughs> I can show you how to prevent somebody from sitting mm-hmm. in your backseat. True, true. My messy car. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, tune in next week. And have a great day or night or commute. Check your backseat. Bye.